Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. If you got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and meet me in Matthew chapter 7 today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. That's where we're going to be today. We're back in the Sermon on the Mount, and I don't know about you guys, but the Sermon on the Mount has been really messing with my heart. It's been, pre- it's been pricking my heart in many different ways. Uh, it's one of the most practical teachings Jesus gives. People uh, from all over the place, whether they're Christian or not, refer to this scripture because of what Jesus teaches here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and we've been talking about this theme about Christian living in an everyday world. What does it mean to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ? So if you got Matthew chapter 7 open, verse 7, go ahead and stand with me to your feet if you're able as we read the word of God together. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. If you got it, go ahead and say got it. text reads, says, ask, and it will be given to you. Remember that word, ask. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Very word of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on this topic. God is truly good. Can y'all say that with me? God. There we go. God is truly good. Now I want y'all to do a little black church exercise and talk to the person next to you and say, God is truly good. good. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Y'all going to talk to each other. God is truly good. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. God, I just pray that you just be in this place, that you would decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Father, we need a word from you this morning. As we sing about you being truly good, there's some folks that walk in here this morning and say, I don't know if God is truly good. I'm doubting, I'm not sure, and I need to know. So God, I pray that you show, out, show up and show out this morning. Let us hear from you. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. ask you you ever been looking forward to something because somebody told you that it was going to be really good I mean you you've been there before somebody was like man you got to try this it's amazing it's really good you ever been there before I remember the first time I tried dark chocolate because here's the trick. Somebody will tell you it's going to be really good, but then when you get it, you're like, yo, that, ain't, that wasn't nothing good about that. 
the first time I tried dark chocolate, y'all, and I'm not talking about Hershey's dark, char- dark chocolate. I'm talking about the 85% cacao. Y'all know what the, y'all, all my dark chocolate fiends in here know exactly what I'm talking about. It says cacao. I'm like, what in the world is cacao? Cacao is, it's the, this the stuff that the, the actual cocoa comes from. It's 85% that. And I'm like, yo, this gotta be some good chocolate. My wife loves that mess, y'all. And so she gave me this chocolate. I never knew about dark, dark chocolate. You didn't eat dark chocolate growing up in Gary. We didn't have that. We ate regular milk chocolate, you know. So, so dark chocolate, I'm like, you like dark chocolate? Okay, my wife's uber healthy and stuff. I'm like, cool. It looks like a chocolate bar. It smells like a chocolate bar. I'm going to taste this chocolate bar. And so I started eating it. And y'all took one bite. And I thought my tongue was going to fall out my mouth because it was so bitter. I mean, who likes that mess? I know some of y'all ain't laughing because you really like dark chocolate. I know we're in Chicago and you're uber healthy, but, and you're like, but Pastor, these got health benefits. Look, let me tell you, if I'm trying to be healthy, I'm not going to eat chocolate. I'm going to get a salad. If I want chocolate, I want the sweet stuff. I want the Hershey's. I want that good stuff. That's my craving. It's going gonna, it's gonna to satisfy my craving. Dark chocolate let me down. Here's my point. Sometimes our cravings can leave us still starving because what we thought was going to be really good and satisfying ended up being nasty and unfulfilling. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Well, what, what is it in your life that you keep running to? that you keep chasing after, that you think it's going to be good, it's going to give you everything you want, but every time you get it, you either need to get more of it or it's just never fulfilling. What is that thing? You fill in the blank. What is the thing you keep running after? What is that? Jesus in this passage, he's saying, don't get it twisted. Other things may look appetizing in your life. They may look good. They may look like that dark chocolate, but I'm the only one that can truly satisfy you. So don't run after anything else. Just run after me because I'm truly good. In our passage today, by way of reminder, Jesus is preaching a sermon on the mount. He's sitting on the mountain, and he's actually preaching or talking to his disciples. But because of the acoustics of the mountain, the people around that are not necessarily his disciples get to hear the same sermon that Jesus is preaching. So as he's talking, they're listening too, but he's really talking to his disciples. We talked about this thing being Christian living in an everyday world. So we're asking the question, what does it mean? To be a true follower of Jesus. What does it mean to live like Jesus wants me to? What does it mean to believe that Jesus is truly good? How does my life look because I believe that? What does it mean to be a true Christian? Today, Jesus, he moves on in the sermon. And I want to say he kind of presses the pause button on, on what he's talking about, what he's been talking about, because... We just came from a place where he's been talking about how we, how we live with other Christians or how we live with other people. So how does a Christian relate to other people? And now he kind of presses pause on that as we came off of this place. And he's, he's going to talk about how we're devoted to him. See, the week before this, a few weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about judging. And what does that mean to judge rightly? Y'all remember that? A few weeks ago, what does it mean to judge rightly? And we talked about the fact that you can't just look at someone else's sin or the log in their eye. You got to look at your own mess. 
in order to see somebody else's mess and meet them with grace and meet them with what they need. Pastor Brian talked about it last week, and he said, look, as he's talking about Hosea and Gomer uh, in, in the book of Hosea, he said, look, everybody, all of us got a little bit of sin in our lives. We got a lot of mess in our lives. And in order for us to love other people horizontally, we got to recognize our own mess so we know how we've been met with grace so we can meet others with that same love and grace. So Jesus in the text today, he's kind of pressing pause on that. And he's going to talk about what it means to now come to God. He's going to go back to this, dealing with others next week when we talk about the golden rule. And so Jesus in this passage, he's talking about asking and receiving. And this is key. I don't want you to miss that he puts this in between talking about how we relate to others. It's in between that. He, t- he puts this pause and it's almost as Jesus as, is affirming or reassuring, or in a way, kind of checking the Christian and saying, look, 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 I I know we've been talking about how we relate to other people, but I don't want you to get it twisted. In the midst of that, remember, I'm the only one that can truly satisfy you. So you ask, well, why does Jesus do that? Why does he press pause and put this in the middle of talking about how we relate to other people? Why, Why does he stick that in the middle? Here's why. Because I believe as Christians, as relationships start going well in our lives, as our marriages start going well, as all these things start going well in our lives, you know what starts to happen? We we start to idolize those relationships. We start to look to those people that we're in relationship with for that satisfaction and that fulfillment that we actually need. And Jesus is like, look, 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 don't get it twisted. Y'all don't believe me? Okay, spouses can get too obsessed with spouses. Parents can get too obsessed with their kids. This does happen. Friends can get too obsessed with friends. Singles can get too obsessed with the idea of marriage or themselves. We get too obsessed with these things and people in our lives and these relationships. And you know what starts to happen? Our emotions start to be driven by how this person thinks about us. We start judging ourselves based off of what they think about us. We start dressing a certain way because they're looking at me, oh, this is fly, that's not. We start doing things because we know we can be rewarded in their eyes or we can be looked at as, as, as good in their eyes. We're like, oh, they like this thing. when I do this, so I'm going to do this. We start, our lives start being dictated by other people because we've now idolized them. Oh, here, here's another one. We may be in a relationship or we end up in a, and I'm not talking about boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm talking about friendships too. We, we might get in a relationship and we'll stay way too long. We'll do far too much. Because in that relationship, we begin to idolize that person as if they give us everything we need and want. You see where I'm going with this? See, and Jesus in this passage, he's saying, like, like, let me set the record straight. He says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. He says, knock and the door will be open. And he says, if you've been evil or sinful, give good things. What more do you think I can give to you? He said, don't get it twisted. The ultimate gift or gifts come from God. That's all really Jesus is trying to get at. He says, I'm the one that gives ultimately the good gift. 
Now, that's important because we want good things in life. How many of y'all want good things in your life? Yeah, it's about five of y'all, huh? Y'all just want bad things? I mean, that's cool. I mean, how many of y'all want good things in your life? You want to be rewarded. You want to be noticed. I mean, we want fulfillment. We want satisfaction, right? The question we have to answer is where are we getting that from, though? Where do we get that? So, so I believe Jesus purposely sandwiches this passage in between, talking about how we deal with others. And now he's saying, this is me. Don't, don't forget. And then he goes back to others. He puts that right in between on purpose because he said, hey, along the way, as those relationships start going good, your marriage is, on, is good, your, your kids are doing well, your friends are doing well, don't get it twisted. I'm still the one that you get ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction from. Don't, don't miss that. That's why he says in Matthew 6, when we read it a few weeks ago, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus in this passage begins at verse 7. Look at it with me. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will, be, you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Jesus, in many ways, is, so to say, setting the stage, if you want to say, for the rest of the passage, the rest of this paragraph. He, he's setting the stage. He says three words. Y'all see him? Look at him with me. He says, ask, seek, and what's the last one? Knock. These three verbs he's telling us to do. Y'all notice those words? Now, these words give off this sense of urgency, a sense of importance and persistence. Jesus is frankly talking about how we should approach God, how we should come to him, how we should pray when we're in need, how we come to the Lord. And he's saying, stay persistent because as a believer, we stand on the truth of God being all sufficient, which means that he can supply all my needs. One theologian put it this way. He said, think of this passage like this. Think of it as a kid. He said, if a child is is seeking their mother, and they want something from their mother, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to ask. They're going to say, Mom, can I get this? They're going to ask, and they're going to keep persistently asking. They're coming to Mom because they know they can get what they need from their mom. They're going to ask. The next time, if they can't find Mom, if she's, around, she's not around, what are they going to do? They're going to seek. The last thing, if Mom is in, 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 inaccessible, maybe she's in her room. My kids do this all the time in the morning. They just come to the door and start knocking. Daddy, mommy, can I get this? And they're just asking for everything. Can I get some cereal? I'm like, yeah, you know where it is in the cabinet. Get your cereal. I mean, but they, they're asking because they know they can get what they need from their parents. Y'all missing this whole thing. Asking, seeking, and knocking. They go where they need to get it from. See, there's this deep sense of urgency here in the text. But don't miss that it's always pointed in the right direction. There's urgency. There's a need, but the Christian finds what they need in God and nowhere else. The Christian doesn't give up on coming to God. Hence, he keeps asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking because we truly believe to know God is to know that he can take care of you. Marriage on the rocks. Don't stop running to God. Finances getting a little tough. Don't stop running to God. School getting tough. No, some of y'all just had midterms. Don't stop running to God. 
Your relationship's getting tough. Don't stop running to God. But hear me, y'all. This isn't just material or dealing with relational matters. If you are doubting, don't stop running to God. If you're seeking truth, don't stop running to God. You are in the right place in church with culture, with family, with community. Don't stop running to God. Here's the truth. When we flip through the pages of this book, we see that God is a faithful God, and he's been a faithful God since the beginning of time, and he always will be faithful. See, God always, if you're asking for something, it may not happen the way you want, but God always has a way of working things out for his glory and for the good of those who he loves. Now, again, this text uses the word ask, seek, and knock. Again, yeah, it's this urgency. This, I don't want you to miss this. It's, it's almost demanding, but it's really not. If you, if you miss it, you'll think, oh, i got to go demand God for something. It's not that. It, it means to plead. It's this, this sense of continually asking. You're persistent in your prayer. You're persistent in your ask. It's, it's where you're going to him because you know what you're asking for can only be fulfilled by him. It's when you go to a certain place because you know you can get exactly what you need from that certain place. Y'all missing this. Let me try to make this plain a little bit for you. Y'all been there before? Some of y'all with me? No, no, it's 11 o'clock. Yeah, and see, look, look, it's like when you go someplace and you're hungry and you, you go to this place, you know that they got exactly what you need. And you, you say, I'm going to go to this place because that hamburger or exactly what I want is at this place. Y'all been there before? See, the worst part of it is, though, is when you go to that place and you pull up, you know you've been craving it, you've been wanting it, and you pull up and they don't have it. Some of y'all were like this with Popeyes a few weeks ago, right? <laughs> y'all sat in that line for two hours looking for some chicken and they didn't have chicken at Popeyes chicken. Didn't make no sense, right? Talking about it's better than Chick-fil-A, all that bread and, you know. Now, see, we, we do that. And here's the other one. We, we go to Starbucks. We go to our barista. We, we go in there. We walk in and say, like, look, I want, you know what I want. I, I want my triple shot latte, you know, with a little bit of foam on top, a little bit of chocolate drizzle, and, you know, caramel, not too much. You know how I like it. But then they tell you they don't have no caramel. And you get upset. I mean, in your budget, you have 5 to $7 built out every day so you can go get your triple shot latte with a little bit of foam, caramel, and chocolate drizzle on top. And then you get there, and they say, we don't have it. And you get belligerent and you're mad. This is why you're mad. Don't miss it. You're mad because you went to the exact place that you know has exactly what you want. But when you get there, they don't have what you want. Don't miss what I'm saying. Jesus in this passage, y'all, he, he's saying, look, look, you're, you're going to this place. You're, you're coming to the right place. But, but he, here's the thing, because he's talking about this. Don't, I don't want you to miss this. I, I don't want you to get mixed up in this whole Starbucks and, and Popeye's chicken. Here's the thing. He's not really talking about you going to ask for something. It, it's really more so about knowing the place to go to ask. It's really about how you come to the place and approach Jesus when asking. See, it's, it's, when you look at these words, ask, seek, find, there's this sense of familiarity and, 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 and trust here. And don't miss this. When you are familiar with the source, when you're familiar with the place you need to go, then you know how to come and ask correctly. 
Y'all missed that. Let me, let me, let me, y'all missed it again. Which is, that's our problem because here's the reality. We come to God and we believe God is supposed to do something for us. God, I've been living my life correctly. I've been upholding your commandments. I, I love you. I've been coming to church. I went to church once last month. God, I'm doing all this. I'm supposed to get something. It's, it's me, God. We think God is the genie in the Bible. And we're like, yeah, I've been doing all this. Let me rub you the right way, God. I need this. And it's because we've heard scriptures like Philippians 4.19, which says, and, and my God will supply all every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But we hear that and we read it as if God's going to supply everything I want in my riches and how I want it. And the reality is it says in his riches, in his glory, where? In Christ Jesus. Which means it doesn't say how he's going to do it. It doesn't say when he's going to do it. It doesn't say what he's going to do it. But what he does let us know is that he will supply our needs, but it will be through trusting in Jesus. Which is a problem. That's a problem because... You've heard me say it before, because if it doesn't happen my way, or when I want it, how I want it, that leaves me upset. Leaves me upset. I'm mad. I'm wrecked. Because my wants weren't, they weren't met. My needs weren't met. And here's the sobering truth. If we truly trust and know God, then we know as we read through the Bible that God is the one who established the heavens and the earth. He's the one who hung the moon and the stars in the sky, the sun in the sky. He's the one that did all of this, and it tells us that he's still holding it all together. And if that's true, that means that God's been faithful since the beginning, and God is a sovereign God, which means that even though we may not get the things that we want or need when we want it, God can work it for me today, or he can work it for me tomorrow, but he will do it. Y'all missing this. See, it's not necessarily how we want it or what we want it to look like sometimes, but because God is sovereign, he's always going to do what's best. Amen. He's going to always do what's best for you in that time. If you haven't caught it, the problem when we're praying, when we're coming to God, is not God. It's not. It's not, it's not him. It, 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 when we're asking for what we need, it's not God. We're the problem. We're the problem. See, if God wanted to, because he's sovereign, he holds everything together, he could give you the world if he wanted to. He could give you anything he wanted to. But when we come to God, we believe that, 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 that God can, has to do it the way I want it. And here's the reality. That's not how God works. Because when I pray, if I pray and God doesn't answer my earnest prayer, and because of that, he didn't do it the way I wanted him to, then that, presume, that presumes the fact that, that God didn't really know what I wanted. It, it, it presumes the fact that God is not sovereign. And, and, and that, that means that, that God is not holding all things together because you're, you're missing the fact of who really God is. So we got to earnestly pray. We got to demand God to move. And God's like, no, no, I don't really need your prayers to move. I'm God. 
See, the problem is not that we're not praying hard enough. It's most of the time something wrong with our hearts. Many times we're not in the right place or the right posture to receive what God wants to give us. Let me see if I can break this down a bit for you. When I was dating Kaylee, I love me some her. I love my wife, y'all. She's amazing, fine, it's all good out and all outside. I love my wife. Um, but when I met her, I didn't know Jesus. I was not walking with the Lord. Um, and, but I knew she was bad. I'm like, I got to have her in my life. And God had a different plan because she knew Jesus and I didn't. And he was like, in order for you to get to her, you got to get to me first, brother. And so I, I start, we started walking and I met Jesus along the way. But here's the reality. Through that process, I'm like, yo, I'm, it don't get better than this. I know I need her in my life. I want to marry her. But the problem was I wasn't in a place to receive the right way, this good gift that God was trying to give me. Because underneath my motivations, underneath my want to marry her, y'all, y'all, it had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with this good thing he was trying to give me. It had all to do with what I wanted, how I wanted her to be, what I thought was good for me. And because of that, through a few breakups and broken engagements, I'm going to be honest with y'all, we went through the ringer. God had to, like, slap me in the face and say, Derek, wake up. You the problem. Your sin, your mess, all of this stuff that's in your life. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the mess. I'm like, oh, my gosh, woe is me. I'm so messed up. And then it's like he woke me up again. He said, look, don't just sit in the mess. But realize in the midst of that, I loved you enough to save you. But yet, even that, and on top of that, he's like, I loved you abundantly, not only to save you, but then place this amazing woman in front of a wretched man. See, I didn't, and I still don't deserve her, but God chose to give her to me. See, don't miss this. Understanding his grace, understanding his love towards me, I'm, I, I'm finally able to receive the good gift he's trying to get me. Y'all are missing this. See, my own sin, my own mess still to this day keeps me in a constant state of humility to receive the good things that God has for me. This good thing, as the Bible calls my wife, for me. See, because I still don't deserve her. I don't deserve the good gifts that God gives me. We don't deserve that. But see, here's the problem. Many of us in here, if we're honest, which we don't like to be honest, you were like me. I was this athlete, thought I deserved everything. Thought I could get it the way I wanted. So when I came to God, it was about me. It's what I wanted. God had another thing coming for me. He said, look, look, look. And in the midst of that, humbled me. Because my head was too dang on big. I thought it was all about me. And, and in the reality, I, I was in the way of receiving what God had for me. Sometimes, y'all, we just get all up in the way. Thinking about me, thinking about what's best for me, what's, what, what, what should I have? And because of that, we're, not, we're unable to receive sometimes the good thing God has for us. Or we're, able to, we're not able to appreciate how good God has been for us. Toward, I mean, like, this is a hard truth. It's a hard truth because the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you really understand the gospel, we don't deserve anything. The only thing we deserve, y'all ready for this, is death. That's a hard truth that we don't want to hear. 
But the only thing we deserve because of our sin and our rebellion is death. But God, through his love, sends his son Jesus to die for us on the cross. But yet he doesn't stop there. Because here's the thing. When I think of that, I don't deserve anything. I don't even deserve to be here. Let alone be saved by his grace. But then I look at it and I'm like, wait a second. You, you want to give me more, God? Y'all, that's a humbling truth, and it blows my mind. See, it's when we understand that humbling truth, then and then only, are we able to approach God? Are we able to receive what he has for us the right way? And don't get it twisted. Hear me, I'm not, I'm not up here trying to preach some health and wealth, prosperity gospel to you. If you work hard, God's going to give you this. That ain't the gospel. You do this, God's going to give you. You scratch my back, I'm going to scratch yours. That ain't Jesus. That's, not, that's never been the gospel. God, I did all these things right, so you should give me. I should get this. No, I'm going to go get my blessing. No. no I, I don't know what God wants to do in your life. But I do know one thing. When God starts working in your life, it will be for his glory and your good. But hear me, that may not be exactly the way you want it to be. It may not come how you want it. It may not come in your timing. And see, someone needs to hear this because you've been coming to God time and time again asking for something. You've been asking for a spouse. You've been asking for a friend. You've been asking for a job. Forgiveness, God. You've been asking for money, something you've been asking God for, and you feel like God hasn't granted it. He's not faithful. Let me ask you, how's your heart right now? Knowing that you don't, we don't really deserve anything, how, how's your heart? Are you still grateful? Are you grateful this morning? You see, you may have missed it, but the key to being ready to receive what God might have for you is not what you can do. It's not how you're doing, it's humility. See, humility is the state where we're we're grateful regardless of what we receive. Because when you think about salvation, when you think about all that God has kept you from, when you think about all that God has saved you from, when you think about where he's brought you from, salvation is enough. Knowing Jesus as Lord is more than enough. Knowing God loves me is more than enough. But then knowing I'm still a mess. And you still want to give me good things? That's humbling. See, when we pray and we go to God, if we understand our salvation, what he's done on our behalf the goodness of God, then we shouldn't expect anything less than goodness. Or better yet, let me break that down. When we come to him, we shouldn't expect anything than the best for me. But that best for you may not be what you think is best for you. It may not be the thing that you've been asking God for. That may not ever come because it wasn't best for you. 
And hear me, that doesn't make God bad. It doesn't make him mean. It doesn't make him vindictive. It, it, it makes him, watch this, it makes him sovereign. It makes him sovereign. It makes him all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, which means that if he's sovereign over everything, then he will always do what is best for me even if I don't like it or it's not what I want it. So the text says, keep asking. Keep on seeking, which means we have to want it. Keep on knocking, which means don't give up. And here's why, because God cares. That's why the text says in verse 8, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. But the question that may be lingering in some of our minds, if y'all honest this morning, is probably, why would I go through all that trouble? Why do I need to keep asking, seeking, and knocking if you're not going to give me what I want, God? I can go get what I want right now. Why would I do that? And here's the answer. You do all of this because you believe that God is truly good. See, I believe Jesus in his sovereignty knew that at this point when he's preaching, he's talking about this in this text, and especially in this one, many of us are here right now, is that we'd be questioning his goodness. So he continues with this text talking about this earthly father and what the father would give to his son. He says, if you are, your son asks for some bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. And then here's the kicker. Look at verse 11 with me. He says, if you, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. Now the question becomes, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? You who then are evil? What? Why I gotta be evil? What, what are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus is not saying that bad people can't do good things, they can't give good gifts. He, he's more so pointing out that even good people, when they give good things, have still, they still have evil within their hearts. Watch what, it's, what he's saying. He's talking about your sin. So, so Jesus is not trying to compare God with man. He's more so contrasting the gifts that come from God, which are untainted. There's no sin within them. They're, they're, they're from him, so they're holy compared or contrasted to the gifts that come from man. Even though they may be good, there's still sin within your heart. There's still sin within you. Okay, y'all, y'all missing this. And, and he says, because of that, he's not just saying, I just said it, he's not saying that you can't do good things. That's why he says in verse 11, how much more? How much more? It gives the sense that God is that much more trustworthy and his gifts are that much more amazing than what we can give. See, what Jesus is trying to point out is that God is good. And he's not just talking about the gifts or the things that God can give you. He's talking about the character of God himself. There is no sin within him. He's not evil. There is none like him. He is completely good, unlike humans. Ecclesiastes 7.20 tells us, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Jesus is trying to make it very plain to us. He says that the problem is that although we can do good things for each other, we can receive good things from one another because we lack perfection or we miss the mark of God's holiness, 
it's always going to lack true fulfillment. The gifts we get from one another. That's why we're running around trying to find, find fulfillment in all these things around us. We're trying to do more and more of this or dating this person, going to this person, this person. Because we're trying to find something we will never find in them. It's only God. Family, we'll always be yearning after good things because we were made in the image of an ultimately good God. So we want more. And we may not be able to say it, but our souls are longing for satisfaction. And the satisfaction we're longing for can't be found in anything here or in any person. It only can be found in the one who made us. That's why in the text Jesus says, to the one who asks, receives. The one who seeks shall find. The one who knocks, it will be open to them. Hear me, family. God wants to give you good things. He does want to take care of you. And we can't give up on God when we don't get it the way we want it. Again, the Christian has to say, and this is hard, I will admit it, it's hard, but we have to say this. If I don't get what I think I need, Jesus is enough. Family, I said it before, but God is not always going to give you what you want or what you think you need, but he'll always give you what's best for you. But even with all that, there's someone in there that's saying, I'm still, I don't know. I don't know if he's truly good. There's still this inkling of doubt in your heart. This wonder. Is the Lord really good? See, and here's why. Because you haven't truly trusted Christ alone. And because of that, you've never really tasted the goodness of the Lord. See, there's something in you that's keeping you from experiencing the goodness of God. What is it that's blocking God's goodness? What is that, that that's holding you back from giving your all? What is it that, that's in your life that you trust more than God? Sex? Money? Your career? A spouse or the longing for one? What is it that is holding you back from experiencing God in his fullness? And in Chicago, y'all, I will say it's very easy to not pay attention to that or ask that question because we can keep on going. This is a tough question because I'm not asking you to diagnose what's the thing in front of you that you see that's keeping you from getting where you need to go. I'm not, I'm not asking you that easy question. I'm asking you what's going on in your heart. What pulls on your heartstrings? We don't like to ask that question. Because when we start pulling back the layers of our heart, when we start pulling back the, the layers and, and seeing what's there, it's messy. It's nasty. We start seeing our past. We start seeing the things we did yesterday. We start seeing the things that we did when we were younger. We start seeing the things that happened to us. We're like, I don't want that. And it's easy to just keep on going and looking over that. We want the good things that God gives us, but we don't want to look at our hearts. We don't want to acknowledge the mess that we have in our hearts. So therefore, we haven't truly tasted the Lord's goodness because here's the reality. 
God doesn't want you to live in your past. You're not your past. You're not that. But he doesn't want you not to acknowledge it. Part of coming to Christ is seeing that mess that's in our life and saying, yep, that's me. And when you see the mess, you know what happens? You see your need for a perfect and also God because you yourself are not perfect. We don't, we don't want to see that stuff. Because if we really look under the covers, our motivations, it's a mess. There's some mess, and what happens is we can play the Christian. We we'll show up on Sunday, go to our group. We look real good. But here's the truth. If ultimately we had what it took, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. And here's the truth about the, the crucifixion, his burial resurrection. That act of goodness, that wasn't a one-time thing. He's still good today. He'll be good tomorrow. He'll be good forevermore. He's saying, just trust me. Keep on coming. Keep on asking me. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. He said, I'm right here. This goodness that you're seeking can't be found anywhere else outside of me. But hear me. We can't truly experience that goodness if we're coming to Jesus. We got all this luggage behind us, but we're not even acknowledging it. We got bags that are overweight, can't even get on the plane, and we don't even know what's in them. But I'm, I'm taking it with me, though. Part of it is saying, acknowledging that mess, acknowledging that weight, acknowledging what's there and saying, that's me, this is who I am, but Jesus, I need you. Tim Keller says, he's a pastor in New York, he says, you don't really realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Part of that is saying that that's me. This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. I need more than that. Come in with this because some of us walked in here holding on to our own desires. This is what I got to do, Jesus. I need you to do this in my life. I still want you, though. Or maybe our hearts have grown callous towards God because he hasn't done what I thought he was going to do. Some of us have been let down by people around us. We've been let down by our own desires. We haven't hit the mark that we wanted to hit. People have hurt us, and we don't know where to turn. You, you feel like God hasn't shown up or worked the way you wanted to in your life. Some folks have hurt you, and you're carrying around this pain and resentment on your shoulders. You're pulling all of this stuff along with you. We've been asking God for something, and we feel like God hasn't shown up. God hasn't been there. And now you're coming into church, and you got this sense of urgency. You got this need, this stuff that you want. And you're like, all I need, I need you, Jesus. But you still got this stuff with you. I want you, Jesus, but I, I got this too. I don't even know what's there. I only want to acknowledge it. My heart is messed up. I know it, but I don't want that. I want you. Here's what I want you to do. Because all of us come in with that. First step is acknowledging that mess. Whatever it is that's in your heart, whatever you pulled into service with you today, that expectation, whatever it was, acknowledge it. This is me, Jesus. This is what I bring. This is my sin. This is my wrongdoings. 
And here's what I want you to do. Let it go. Let it go. And trust Jesus. Trust that he's good. And he wants to show you his goodness and give you his goodness. He says, keep on asking me. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And in the midst of that, now that you, you said, this is my weight, this is who I am, watch him show up and do amazing things in your life. Because you only want him. He loves us whether we're a believer or not. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. But yet at the same time, we're so sinful. That's a goodness that's unexplainable. It's unimaginable. Trust him because he's truly good. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. God, I pray that even now, Lord Jesus, you would keep us in your hands. That in those moments where we don't trust your goodness, God, that we, we'd be reminded by just what you've done, what you've kept us from, God, the goodness of community, just life, breath in our lungs, limbs that move. We're undeserving people, yet you still love and give to us. God, I pray that we never forget that. I pray that we walk in that goodness and we don't take each step or each day for granted, but we give you glory or seek to give you glory in all we do. Father, we love you. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.